Hi, welcome to the Pokes Podcast, the official podcast for OSU's College of Arts and Sciences. I'm Carla Gutierrez, and I am a recruiter with the College of Arts and Sciences, or CAS for short. Every year on September 15th to October 15th, the U.S. celebrates Hispanic Heritage Month as a way to recognize the cultures, histories, accomplishments, and influence Hispanic Americans have had in the United States. With me today are three CAS students who come from Hispanic backgrounds. We have Samari Simpson-Jimenez, Monse Solorzano, and Nadia Valles. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Hello, everyone. My name is Samari Simpson-Jimenez. I'm a Cuban-Nicaraguan, first-generation American here. Uh, I'm a senior studying political science and the pre-law track. In my hometown, it's Orlando, Florida. Hi, I'm Monse Solorzano. I am a senior majoring in sociology with an emphasis in criminology. I am first-generation Mexican-American. My parents are from Guadalajara, and I am from Tulsa, Oklahoma. My name is Nadia Valles. I'm a first-generation American, Mexican-American. I'm from Hennessy, Oklahoma, and I'm a junior studying political science. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for being here with us today. Again, I am Carla Gutierrez. I am also Mexican-American, first generation. I am a current employee for the College of Arts and Sciences, and I am a graduate student here at OSU as well. So to start with, let me ask you about Hispanic Heritage Month. So what does that mean to you all? Did you grow up celebrating it? Is this something that you feel proud of? If you did grow up celebrating it, how did you? For me, I feel like growing up, my parents, I didn't know it was a thing until I got older and kind of like got into high school and then obviously college. I realized that there's like a whole month dedicated for us. For Mexico, it's Independence Day, September 16th. So I remember watching El Grito, which is like the celebration they do when I was younger, like on TV. And then now that I'm older, I get to experience that in a different way just because, you know, I know more about the background, especially like being here at the university. National Hispanic Heritage Month for me, means just being able to accept where I'm from and be able to share, like, all the things that my community has done for the country. Like Nadia, I really didn't know what it was until I was older. I went to private Catholic school ever since I was young, and the narrative wasn't really there with Hispanic Americans because I was one of the very few in elementary and as well as, like, middle school and high school that were Hispanic. And my senior year, that's when I kind of finally started seeing Hispanics being represented in the media. And that's when I found out, like, Hispanic Heritage Month was a thing. Now that I'm in college, I kind of learn more and more. And now I'm at a point where my family and I celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. And we celebrate what experience come with being an immigrant for, for my parents and as well as me being a first-generation American and kind of sharing our experiences of being Mexican, but from different cultures. For me, I kind of went to elementary and middle school in Nicaragua, so we kind of didn't know exactly that there was a whole month dedicated for um, the Hispanic Heritage Month, but we did celebrate Fiestas Patrias, which were, you know, like the celebration of the independence of Nicaragua that we celebrate the 14th and the 15th of September. So I grew up around like that culture of the celebration in the schools and doing, you know, a little desfiles, which, you know, like you just go and kind of like do a walk down around the community and to show the support for the country. So that's my experience within the Hispanic Heritage Month. So both Nadia and um, 
Samari, both of you brought up the independence of your country and that you celebrate it in September. Mexico and Nicaragua are two out of the seven countries, Latin American countries, that celebrate their independence in September. So, Samari, you just described how you experienced living in Nicaragua. For Monse and Nadia, how did you experience Mexico's Independence Day living here in the United States? When I was little, I remember watching on the TV the Grito, like Nadia said. I'm 21 years old, and I still don't know, like, the <laughs> the song, uh, the independence song from Mexico, like, the, the national anthem. But I guess that's something I have to work on, too. My parents would explain, like, you know, like, the La Batalla de Puebla and everything, and this is what's, what happened. And now that I'm older, my parents and I kind of, like, celebrate it. Usually we have, like, a, just a small, like, family gathering, and it's more of, for me, it's more of, like, being with family rather than kind of celebrating the holiday because while it is important and it is like how Mexico is today, it's more of like just being with family and celebrating all, our culture. I grew up watching El Grito like on TV and I remember like looking forward to it. Like my parents, it was like their favorite thing to do. Like, they would stay up till midnight to watch it on TV. And unlike once I do know some of the song. I pride myself <laughs> in that. Um <laughs> So it was just something we always did growing up. And even now that I'm away from home, um, we still obviously, as soon as the month hits, I text my parents and they text me. And I celebrate it with, like, my Hispanic friends here in Stillwater, too. So it's just something that I've always celebrated. And it's just really nice to be able to, like, share that with people here at OSU and back home. So, like I said, I am Mexican-American. I just, like Samari, I also went to school in Mexico. And I did elementary and middle school there. So we used to celebrate Mexico's independence and it was like a school thing and there was the parades and there was the fiestas patrias and there was like this whole thing going on. For Mexico, it's the 15th and the 16th because the battle started on the 15th of September and then it ended on a 16th of September years later. So those are the two days that everything is happening in town and everyone around it's like gets ready for that. And when I moved to the States for school, that view kind of shifted, not, not the view, like more like the celebration kind of shifted because the U.S., like I am from a border town, so it is celebrated, but it's just celebrated completely different. So Mary, for you, for Nicaragua's um, independence, did you see a shift when you moved to the States on the way it is celebrated? Yes, totally, because it's completely different. Like the parades, like I didn't see that when I, you know, transferred myself to the educational system here in the U.S. It was more so of like probably like general meetings, kind of like acknowledging uh, the Hispanic Heritage Month in all the countries, not necessarily Nicaragua. And Nicaragua is a country in Central America, so sometimes when I uh, used to introduce myself before, they wouldn't like know where Nicaragua is. And I would be just like, yeah, it's in Central America, and they still wouldn't know. <laughs> where is and then other than that seeing just like the shift from the other educational system that literally the 14 and the 15 of September were all around the celebrating of the independence we used to go into field trips to I think the correct term will be the ranch of Hacienda San Jacinto which is literally where the independence took place of Nicaragua and then the battleground where um, Andres Castro fought against William Walker and he literally 
le tiró una pedrada, and that's how <laughs> we won the battle. And just seeing that atmosphere and going to those places and climbing uh, los cierros where everything happened, having that experience, and then coming here, and it's a completely, totally different form of celebration, I think it was a huge change. So what is something that you wish people knew about Hispanic Heritage Month, about our culture, and about like the, the reason why it is celebrated? Well, I am Mexican-American. The narrative with Hispanic Heritage Month, I feel like people always associate Mexico with Hispanic Heritage Month. That's the first country they think of. And while I love my country, I feel like there should be more of a narrative to... I've seen this more this year than other years, I will say. There are other countries that celebrate Independence Day. It's like back to back to back to back. Some countries celebrate their Independence Day. It's like, what, like six in one day, five in one day, something like that. There's so much diversity within the Hispanic community. There are people from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different nationalities. And I think that's something that's beautiful about being Hispanic. There's so many people that look like us and we, we might share the same language, but we're all a part of just this Hispanic community of Latin America, even, even beyond Latin America. I will say that I would love to see, like in the Hispanic Heritage Month, a little bit more of inclusivity and cultural awareness for all the different cultures that we share. Like Monse was saying, it's not only, you know, like the North America portion of, you know, like the people that speak Spanish, but also like Central America and South America and kind of like just cultural awareness of people that we come from different backgrounds and we are from all shapes, sizes and colors as well. Because even though, you know, like there's a lot of people that you know, with the narrative that we have that Hispanic people should look this way, and then they probably don't, and they have Hispanic background. So just kind of like having that awareness of that we come from all different backgrounds and colors. Because for me, it's a little bit a challenge to kind of identify myself as a Cuban Nicaraguan, because I did grow up with the Nicaraguan culture mostly, but I have Jamaican roots in my dad's side, and then Cuban roots with his side as well, and then from my mom's side from Nicaragua. So I just have become more comfortable of addressing myself as an Afro-Latina because I do come from, you know, black background. So having just like that thought, it's something that will be great for this month. So you just mentioned being Afro-Latina and Afro-Latinos, they're getting a new recognition. It is a new movement that more of like the getting the power of we are different we are latinos and we are proud of it but we are also different because there's a lot of caribbean roots within the afro-latino um, community so can you talk a little bit of what that means what does it mean to be afro-latino for me afro-latino means to acknowledge your roots from your parents side so not just defining yourself probably of with the culture that you grew up with but your background and roots that your family has for example the culture me growing up in a kind of multicultural diverse family i was you know grabbing things from the cuban culture and then also the nicaraguan culture and now seeing that there's people that are like me and they consider themselves afro-latinas or afro-latinos it's just like having that narrative out there. And I think that social media has played a big role right now because um, like if you see on TikTok or like Instagram and all those like social media platforms, there are more and more of the conversation that Afro-Latinos exist 
and that we should like address that and understand that there is like more diversity within the community. What have been some of the most difficult things that you have experienced that are related to your heritage? I think for me, it would be growing up in a predominantly white school for all my life. And then I know this might sound crazy, but OSU is the most diverse school I've been at. And OSU is a PWI. When I was in school, there was only maybe seven kids in total that came from a Hispanic background. And then once I got to high school, the total number of students I graduated with was like maybe 150 around there. And about 10 of those were Hispanic. So it was a very, very small community of us that looked like each other and kind of identified and felt comfortability within each other of being from the same background. And I was always at a conflict within myself internally of I don't fit in with the majority of the kids at the school. I feel I feel too Mexican. And then at home, I felt too white because I would be speaking English at school and then Spanish at home. So it was just this constant of me trying to get accustomed to where I was. It I always had to like code switch and try and fit the box. And then later on that I was older, I learned I don't need to fit the box because there is no box. I don't necessarily have to try and fit to the mold that I'm going to be in because that would hide identities of myself that I want people to know. So I'm from rural Oklahoma, like 2,000 people population. It's not a big town. But for it being so small, it was also like 50-50 white and Hispanic. And most of the people that live like in my hometown, they're all from the same part of Mexico. Like we're neighbors. It's, it's crazy to think about. But I feel like growing up, I didn't really see like, I guess you could say like racism or I didn't feel different just because it was very 50-50 and it's like the same people I knew my entire life and I never felt attacked and I think as I got older and I kind of just you know the media starts playing a role I'm kind of as Mary mentioned like social media plays a big role in a lot of our lives now and things are being said online and I think I started noticing like subtle digs that people in my own community back home were giving towards you know 50% of the population in town and I think coming to OSU it was very difficult because I did not see a Hispanic population here. It, it is a PWN, LSL, where, like, white folks here. When I moved here, it was very hard because at home I always had that connection. I always had that community. And it took a while for me to be able to find, like, my community here. And it was just very difficult to get used to. And I remember, like, calling my parents and being like, there's no one like me here. And, you know, it sucks that here you have to, like, venture out and look for people like you. You can't just see them. And thankfully we have a bunch of wonderful organizations here at OSU, like HSA or the Latin American Student Association that provide that home for us when we're not by our communities. I had a different experience when I went to high school because um, Orlando, it's a place that has a lot of diversity. There's a lot of Hispanic people that come from different places, from South America, like Colombia, Ecuador, Venezuela, and a lot of like Central American people as well, and a lot of like Mexican people. And the school that I went to, it was a huge public school. And I think my graduation class was like over 800 people. And there was like a lot of diversity in the sense of like, there were a lot of people of color there. But even then, one of the challenges that I faced was being able to fit into the Hispanic community 
of the majority of people that were there. They were mainly from Puerto Rico and like from Central, uh, from South America, sorry, and having to adjust to their lingo, I will say, or their way that they express themselves in Spanish. I kind of lost my kind of like Cuban Nicaraguan dialect and I needed to learn their way of communicating in Spanish. So I felt like I lost myself a little bit in there and I lost like my Nicaraguan accent because I did have, an, we all have like accents from all the places that we're from. So that kind of like shifted my understanding of the diversity from a young age. So I'm very well aware of that we all are different within the community and that we should celebrate that, but as well just create more awareness that there's a lot going on. And now, contrary to that, what is the best thing that your heritage has brought to you? I think I will start and I will say the food. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I was thinking, but I didn't want to say. <laughs> I will say the food. I do love Mexican food. It just cannot be replaced with anything. <laughs> I would say the food, too, because when I go home, I always look forward to my mom making, like, pozole or enchiladas or tinga or tortas ahogadas, which is, like, a, it's a staple of Guadalajara. Also, my favorite thing is ballet folklorico. I did ballet folklorico for a couple of years when I was younger, for about, I would say, six years. And it's something that I, I miss, but I also love watching because I would always, I had never watched it before I started doing it. And then, so I kind of grew up watching and learning it both. And then when I got a little bit older, we started exploring out of just Mexican ballet folklorico. We started, we actually did a, a choreography from Nicaragua. We did some from Costa Rica and we did one from Cuba and just from a lot of different countries. Like, because each different state has like their own costumes and it's different colors and even each dance has like its own story. And that's something that I love because each little state from Latin American countries has like their own little culture, I feel like. Obviously the food, like, we're all, I think we're all going to say it. I love yeah. tamales, like, you can't go wrong. They're amazing, it's, it's great. Um, but that being said, I think there's a very big emphasis on family. I know my family is super close-knit, and I, there's some people I know here, and I'm like, what do you mean you don't talk to your family, like, every day? But I think we prioritize that so much, and, you know, that unity, along with, I think we're all very determined. We're a very determined group of people, and we're all activists, as a political science student, I've always, you know, had a little activist in me. And I think as I've gotten older and, you know, I've debated, I'm involved in various organizations. I see if my people and, like, my community, what they've done in the past, people like Cesar Chavez or Dolores Huerta and what they've done in the past as activists. And that instills energy in me, a power in me to be like, I can be an activist too. In my case, I love ballet folklorico because I used to dance since I was little. My mom used to put me in like the dances classes and I used to perform as well in my elementary and middle school years for uh, school performances. And as Monse was saying, there's a lot of like history behind the music that we dance. So it's not like we're just dancing, but we are giving a performance of a story that has happened within the culture. And that's something amazing. And as well as the food, and I feel like my food, which is like the Nicaraguan food that I grew up mostly with, it's kind of like different, but not really to like the Mexican food. So we do have a lot of like rice and beans and we have a staple plate that is called fritanga, which is just like rice and beans. Uh, and that's called gallo pinto. And then we have, we eat a lot of like sweet plantains, which is mm -hmm. something that kind of like the Caribbean kind of people 
eat sweet plantains, but not mainly like Mexico, I think. Because I have had like some eating out with my friends and it's like, yeah, I eat sweet plantains. And I'm like, uh, what? Like that's sweet. Like how are you gonna eat that with salty food? But I promise you, it's the best thing ever. Nadia, earlier you mentioned about the different organizations that you have seeked out to find your community, your fellow Hispanic people. So are all of you involved in different organizations that are related to your Hispanic heritage? And if yes, which ones are you involved? And if you're not involved, which ones do you know of that also represent your Hispanic heritage? Yeah, so like I said, I'm in, I mean, me personally, I'm involved in the Hispanic Student Association. I'm in the Multicultural Greek Council. A lot of those organizations were founded, either Hispanic founded or, you know, just multiculturally founded in general. I think those are that I'm personally involved in, but they all play such a big role in my life. I, all my friends here at OSU and people like that have become like my confidants here have all stemmed from those types of organizations. I don't feel judged in these organizations or in these spaces because I know there are people that can relate to me. We all have similar backgrounds one way or another. And, you know, they also speak Spanish. We all, you know, bond over food. And we just all have that same atmosphere. And it's just a really great location to be with. Same as Nadia, I am involved in the Hispanic Student Association as well as the Multicultural Greek Council. I was actually a historian for the Hispanic Student Association my sophomore year. I would say 98% of my friends are from the Hispanic Student Association. It's crazy to think, but this is the, like the most diverse group of people I've been around my whole life. I love that I can find a little community here. That's kind of like my home away from home. That's what we like to say a lot. I'm involved in LASA, which is the Latin American Student Association. I'm currently serving as their social media chair. And I recently joined SEEK, which is the Sisters Empowering Academics and All Cultures. And I'm not sure if it counts as a Hispanic club or association, but I'm also part of the International Students Organization. But there's a lot of people that are, you know, from Hispanic backgrounds that are part of the organization. And essentially, me being part of those organizations, me kind of like bringing awareness to the community at OSU that we are here and that we are promoting our culture and that we are proud to be Hispanic. I love to hear that. I love to hear that you guys are doing things to promote our Hispanic heritage and that you guys are proud to be Hispanic. I think it does bring a lot to OSU, like in your cases, to OSU, like bringing in your backgrounds and your way of thinking and speaking up for what you believe in. Nadia did mention that we are very family oriented. We are very tight knit. So I'm glad to hear that you guys have found your little familias here. And that brings me to the next point, which is, have you guys been able to communicate or teach or whatever you want to call it? I don't know if teaching is the right word for communicating your background to non-Hispanic people here at OSU. Yeah, so I actually, when I first got here, I did a random roommate. I did not know who she was whatsoever. And she happened to be white. And she's from Houston, which Houston is also very Hispanic. So I think when I met her, she kind of, although was exposed to like my community, she didn't know a lot. And you know, three years later, we still live together. And she's picked up a lot of my habits. It's so funny to think about. But being able to just that one person or my other roommates I have now, I've been able, you know, they celebrated Mexican Independence Day with me just because they wanted to know more about it. 
and being able to share my culture and like my experiences, my food, you know, that's their favorite part with them has been really great along with other organizations I'm a part of where a lot of the things I do talk about come from my like Hispanic background. And it's been really amazing being able to share that information and just share some of like my culture and my life with others. In the past, I've had friends that we want to go do something in my hometown of Tulsa and they don't want to go back to their hometown because it's going to be just a really long drive. So I've offered my home up to them and my, my parents will immediately like open our home to friends that want to come over and spend the night. And my parents will like, well, they'll be so excited. They're like, oh, do you want more food? And that's every single, I've never had a friend over to my house that doesn't compliment my mom's cooking. And I'll be very proud to say that my mom is a very good cook, that she, sometimes when she cooks, I bring food back. And I think that's something that I love about my college experience, having friends over to my home where I grew up and kind of sharing a little piece of my home to them. I have been very open about my culture to other people around me in the organizations that I belong, either by bringing up music or bringing up food whenever I talk with them and seeing their response of kind of like open arms of being able to, hey, I want to hear more about your culture, your music and the food that you eat. And then kind of like contrasting that to their culture. It's kind of like a way that have been like open the conversation on my end to talk about a little bit more about my roots. And for other future cast cowboys that are out there of Hispanic heritage or Hispanic backgrounds, what is something that you will tell them as advice if they're looking at us as their future home, if they're trying to come to our little OSU cowboy family, what will you tell them? I will say that you will for sure find your community here. You're gonna find your group that you're gonna feel that you belong. There's like so many organizations like the ones that Nadia and Monza were talking about. And even that, there's like much more that's offered. I would say, don't be scared. It's going to be intimidating. You can't avoid that you're in college. It's your first day out here. <laughs> but it'll all be okay, kind of like Samari said. You'll, you'll eventually find your group. And you have to take that initiative as well. It's not going to come to you. So go to the org fairs. Go to every single table, even though it seems intimidating and scary. Because at the end of the day, you'll find your little niche and your group of people and you won't be able to imagine life without them. Kind of going along with what Nadia said, in the second floor of the student union, there is an office and it's called the Office of Multicultural Affairs. Go to that. That will be your best friend for the next four years that you will be here at OSU. It has so many different resources, like HSA is there, LASA is there. There is so many different orgs and not even that, there's so many others like the like FASA, ASA, just so many. And you can definitely find your group of people and the advisors of OMA, they are so helpful and they will be there. And whether it be something like just needing someone to talk to or advice for some classes or even a recommendation letter, they are some of the most helpful people I've met on this campus. Now, as first-generation students, what is the scariest thing that you have gone through? navigating through the system and how actually college works because since my transfer at the high school educational system I literally didn't know what I was doing and then coming into college I didn't know what I was doing until I got to OSU and started reaching out for help 
which is something that I have on my mind whenever I interact with people that are first generation as well, or they are going to college for the first time, is like reach out and ask questions because that was just like very challenging, not knowing the educational system, but knowing that there are people out there that are willing to help you and guide you into the things that you wanna accomplish in life. It's amazing. I think the most difficult aspect of being a first-generation student in my experience was not being able to rely on my parents. They're super supportive, and I remember they told me when I was in high school and I was telling them I want to go to college. They were like, you go to college. Like we, That's why we like came here, was for you to be able to have this opportunity, but we can't help you. Like We'll support you, but we don't know how to help you. And I think that was really hard to understand when peers of mine in school, you know, their parents were helping them write out their, you know, college essays, their scholarship essays. And I had to reach out to different teachers back home and be like, please help me. Like, I have no one to help me. And once you get over that little hurdle and, you know, now you're here in college, I tried to explain things to my parents like, oh, I was doing this and I think I'm going to do this because I think it'll be good for me. And they'll just be like, it's up to you. If you think it's good for you, it's good for you. So I think just not being able to rely on my parents for advice in terms of how to do it is really difficult. Kind of going along with what Nadia said, doing things on your own, because since my parents didn't get the opportunity to attend college, sometimes it feels like I'm just grasping in the darkness of what I'm going to do. Like I get an opportunity and I tell my parents, should I take it? And they're like, yeah, if, if it'll help you, then go for it. And I'm like, ah, that's the thing, I don't know. <laughs> and another part of that is that my parents came to the United States with uh, the hope of one day having a kid and sending him to college. And that was always, ever at a young age, that was always instilled in me that I, they want me to get a, a higher education. And I'm the only child as well. So I didn't have an older sibling or a younger sibling to kind of talk about my experiences with. And on top of that, I'm the oldest cousin. So I feel like I'm also setting the example for my cousin that's also in college as well. She's a little bit younger than me. And even the the younger ones beyond that, the ones that are in high school and elementary and middle school. So trying to set the example of what should be done and maybe even what shouldn't be done. Well, thank you for that. I do think you guys are setting an example for not only your families and everyone that comes after you and your families to come to college, but to your Hispanic community. Unfortunately, Hispanics are the least educated race in America, and you are taking that step to make that change. And I want you to know that your community is very, very proud of you because it does take a lot to be a first-generation student and not knowing what questions to ask. It's not even being afraid of asking the questions. It's we don't know what should be asked. So you guys are doing great. You guys are rocking it. And Cass is very proud of you. I'm sure your families are proud of you. Is there something that you would like the audience to know about Hispanic Heritage Month or about Mexico or Cuba or Nicaragua? Something that you wish everyone knew about your background? Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican Independence Day. (laughs) Great. I love that. Yes, we need to preach that. And also, um, I think that if you are trying to celebrate any kind of Latin American or Hispanic Independence Day, 
research it a little bit before you try and celebrate it because there is the United States has had a long history of appropriating like Cinco de Mayo and Independence Day. So please do your research before you try and celebrate and maybe support small businesses in your city that are Hispanic owned and get some food from there to celebrate. Mine kind of goes along with what Monza said. Don't uh, stereotype everything. I think kind of like once has said, um, a lot of the celebrations that we see are very stereotypical. You know, you have your sombrero and your Moroccan. You know, I feel like that's like the graphic we all see. There's so many contributions like Hispanics have made here in the U.S., whether that's in the science field, the social science fields, humanities, math even. There's a lot of contributions that have been made, and you should definitely research all of these. And go to a little street vendor. And get yourself some elote. You will not regret it. I'm telling you. Something that I would like everyone to know, it's that Hispanic Heritage Month goes well beyond just Mexico. We are a bunch of different countries that while we are brothers and sisters in our heritage, we do have our differences. And every single one of the countries in Central Latin America deserve recognition We have all contributed something to the United States or society in general. And if you want to learn more about our heritage, go out and, like Nadia and Monse said, support Hispanic-owned businesses. Afro-Latina-owned businesses are booming right now. So go out and support them. Go out to your street vendors and learn more Try our food. It's all delicious. It's it's all different from country to country, but it's all delicious. And we are proud of it. We are proud of our heritage. Thank you guys for joining us today. The College of Arts and Sciences at OSU, it's so proud of you and your accomplishments. We're so happy to have you as students. And for those of you out there listening, don't forget to follow us on social media with the handle at OKStateCast. You can also visit our website, cast.okstate.edu, where you can find out more about our programs and anything that we have to offer for our students. This has been the Pokes Podcast. Thank you for listening and go Pokes!